Christmas and New Year are a season where, whether we like it or not, we discover that the year that was is coming to a close. So 2018 in, in, in a day is finishing and then we have to remember all of a sudden that when we put dates on things, we've got to put a nine on the end and not an eight. And so for the month of January, most of your correspondence, uh, if you're actually writing anything these days, uh, has crossed our eights and little nines after it until we actually remember that it's 2019. And at about this time of year, we, we start to look at what we're going to be doing in the new year. Are we going to change things? Are we going to be doing things differently? Do we have plans uh, for 2019 that we didn't have in 2018? Are the things in 2018 that we want to chuck out because they didn't work and just totally forget about in 2019? There are all these, these questions that go through our minds about what the new year is going to bring. And so we, we tend, you know, if you're a bit like me, you, you dream about it. You sort of think of an, an ideal future of what you're looking forward to. And a lot of it may be a continuation of what has happened in the past, and a lot of it may be things in the past that you don't ever want to appear in your future again. And so, as Christians, when we, when we look into the future, hopefully our future has God in it. And hopefully... God approves of the plans and the, and the ideas that we have for our future. And we get caught up in, in this idea that um, we, 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 we want to start something afresh, we want to renew a relationship with God, we want, we want new things happening. And hence, uh, for our breakfast services, we've, we've given them the theme of reboot. Shameless plug here. Uh, come to breakfast uh, in the next three... Sundays, and you'll find out some of the, the things that we can actually do in our lives to, to change things, to change ways of thinking, to change ideas about ourselves, to change ideas about other people, uh, to do with our home life, our business life, our health life, all, all different aspects of those things we will be covering. But this morning I want to preempt that idea a bit, and I want to look at actually what sort of things we should be focusing on when it comes to our plans for the new years. Uh, the new year. Let's let's cut it back to one for a start. <laughs> um, you know, I did say that Vicky was going to give us notices for the next ten years, but perhaps I exaggerated a little. Um, but especially, I mean, it's great to have dreams and visions. But what, when we decide that they're important enough to pray about, that actually comes to another level. We've involved God in those plans and, and those dreams. And so it's good to actually recognise what God says about dreams and visions and what God's actual plans for them are. And so my key scripture for this is going to be Jeremiah 29.11. And this morning I want us to look at this scripture in the light of God's message to the original recipients and how that might change our perspective on what this scripture is really saying to us as modern day Christians. So Jeremiah 29.11, I think most people uh, who have read the Bible know, about, know this scripture. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now this is a popular scripture, and you can probably see why. Because among other things, it reminds us that God's plans are always a source of hope in our lives. But there are three things that we should consider when we read this scripture. The first thing is context. 
because it's great to lift that out of the Bible and say, well, wow, this is a, a great example of the fact that God cares for us, he's interested in our goals and plans, and that he actually has um, plans for us as well. And if we read the surrounding scriptures, let, we will start at uh, verse 10. And uh, this is, this is a, a prophecy from the prophet Jeremiah to the nation of Israel. And uh, he's actually letting them know that times ahead aren't going to be really good. And he says, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. Now, just to sort of point out the fact that they didn't want to be in Babylon. <laughs> Babylon was the capital city of their oppressors. So the fact that they were going to be there, it's a bit like telling people from Adelaide that they have to be in Melbourne for 70 years. <laughs> That used to be true when the, the football rivalry was greater, but I'm not sure that is anymore. It says, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In the, those days, when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and bring you home again to your own land. Now, see, as modern readers, we tend to ignore that, concept, that context. But we need to understand the city of Jerusalem was captured, looted, and burned. Thousands of individual Israelites were killed or enslaved. Now, as an individual, that doesn't sound like God has a great plan uh, for my life if I'm going to be one of those either killed or enslaved. So we, we, we look at that as a bit of a plot detail that we can perhaps ignore because we're interested in the, the fact that the promise at the end there is a direct promise to us. And we hope it is. And so, you know, it's relevant to us because what do we want? We want wisdom. We want wisdom in choosing a career. Who's choosing a career at the moment? Nobody? Okay, forget that one. <laughs> we, we want assistance in finding a partner. I won't ask. <laughs> we, we want the ability to handle difficult situations. Anybody ever had one of those? And you know, we pray to God uh, for, for assistance in those. People want finances to buy a house. So you know, all of these things that we see in that promise that God has plans and purposes for our life for a bright future. And we want this promise to apply to us. But this leads us to the second thing we need to consider, which is the thing we hate about a lot of scripture, is it's not about you. And I know you didn't want me to preach on this and you're starting to think, well, he's a bit, coming a bit of a downer on this dream stuff. <laughs> Bear with me. But it's interesting that when we read the word you in this sentence, we, we read it to mean each one of you individually. And so therefore we read Jeremiah 29 like this. God knows the plans he has for me. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give me a future and a hope. And in those days when I pray, he will listen. If I look for him wholeheartedly, I will find him. He will be found by me. Very self-centered prayer. But we have to remember that Israel was a collectivist culture. They understood the object of the sentence, you, to, be, to mean my people. <laughs> Can I grab that water, please? <laughs> they understood that 
it wasn't the individuals within the culture that he was talking to. It was actually my people, Israel, as a whole. And so it's not actually about the individuals. And if we read further, to add insult to injury, we, we see that Jeremiah indicates that God's blessings extended to Israel's enemies as well. If we read verse 27... No, uh, verse 20, uh, chapter 29, verse 7, it says, And work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. So not only is it not about you, it's about the people you hate. <laughs> is anybody feeling encouraged yet? <laughs> so you can see why it's important to understand where Scripture is actually coming from. I mean, that's, that's pretty much a low blow. The fact that you know, we're going to get sent into exile, and by the way, while you're there, make sure you do a good job and make the people that uh, have captured you happy. <laughs> but if you think about it, that's how, that's how the church should be viewed today. We're in exile. We're strangers in a strange land, if you like. We're citizens of heaven living here on earth. We are in exile, if you like. But our job is to actually reach out to those people who don't know Jesus and extend them the kindness, the welcome, and the love of the kingdom. So, but in spite of this, God prospered Israel. He didn't spare them from exile, but he prospered them in spite of their condition of exile. And so, the, the third thing we look at in this um, passage in Jeremiah is the timing. We, we gloss over the fact that God says they're going to be in Babylon for 70 years. Most of us, when we pray, would not be happy with the idea that God says, sure, in 70 years' time, I'm going to answer that prayer. We would be a little indignant. We would actually probably stamp our foot in our prayer closet a little bit and say, God, I want it sooner than that. But it's, prayers, are, you know, we have microwaves, but they don't work with prayers. You can boil water faster. You can heat your popcorn faster. But you can't actually stick your prayers in the microwave and expect them to come to pass faster than God is determining that they should. So our faith should tell us that we can rest assured that God is at work in our lives even when he doesn't appear to be. And so we have to actually be patient with our prayers. So actually making prayers for the new year may not actually work. We need to take a longer vision of the fact if we're going to pray... And we're going to have faith that God is going to bring those prayers to fruition. We actually have to make sure that we have the faith to wait for God's timing. So from Jeremiah 20, 28, 11, we can see that although God has plans for us that are good and they give us a hope and a future, we cannot bend these plans to a context of our choosing. They're not necessarily aimed at us as individuals. They may in fact require us to bless our enemies. And they aren't guaranteed to happen in our desired time frame which may seem a depressing conclusion. But if we're focused on our goals and dreams as individuals, that's true. But we are given hope in the New Testament, in Matthew, where Jesus says in Matthew 6.33, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now, seeking God is not like a quest, like the Holy Grail. 
It's not something we, we go off on our own and do. Seeking God is not something we do in our prayer closet where we get on our knees. This is where ideas like um, the Illuminati and things come from. It's about individual personal enlightenment that nobody else gets. You know, suddenly we become holier than everybody else, more knowledgeable than anybody else. We know the scriptures better than anybody else, and that makes us special. And so we, we get this whole idea that we have found the kingdom of God. But when Jesus talks about finding the kingdom of God, he's actually talking about being part of a community that is searching for the kingdom of God. It's a, he's talking about a community that is striving to make the kingdom of God real in people's lives right here on planet Earth right now. That community is the church. The church is God's plan A. He has yet to reveal plan B. And so this is who God is speaking to in Jeremiah. He's speaking to the church because the church is the modern day equivalent of the nation of Israel. And we are called to actually do what God has planned for us. You see, God has planned for us. God's plan started for us before we were born. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he's planned for us long ago. You know, before you were born, he planned good things for you, Barry. He planned good things. Good things have happened. Good things are planned for you and for you and for you and for you. No, not you. <laughs> These are just examples. You, you can take everything I say about them for you. But you see, we're not left here to hang. We're not here on our own. God's made us part of a community. And as a community, he speaks to us and says things like, I have plans and purposes for, to use an Australianism, use. He's not saying you, he's saying use. I have a plan and purpose for yous guys. <laughs> I'm sort of glad that Banjo Patterson didn't write the, the New Testament. Um, actually, I, he'd, be he'd be horrified if I'd suggested he spoke like that. So we know that God has plans for us and we know that he has given us the tools to build the church he's given us spiritual gifts 1 Corinthians 12 4 to 6 says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts but the same spirit is the source of all of them they are different kinds of service but we serve the same Lord God works in different ways but it is the same God who does the work in all of us and so we know God's got plans for us. We know that he has given us the skills and the gifts to do, fulfill those plans. And he's given us what to do. He's told us what real religion is. James 1.27, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. I, mean, I think it's great that letter that Vicky read out earlier. That... Even the little the things that seem little things to us actually have a huge impact for people who are suffering if we're actually focusing on reaching out to people. And that, that, that's what we're called to do. But we can, who knows we can't do that individually? Who gets frustrated when they get phone calls from charities all day, every day, asking for... And it gets to the point where you think, I'd love to help but there are just too many people asking out there. As an individual, it's overwhelming. Even as a, an organisation, it can be overwhelming. 
But if we band together and decide that we're actually going to do good in the world, as, as we have, uh, part of our vision builders is uh, to help out our local women's shelter. And we also have an overseas mission in Fiji where we help churches in Fiji as well. So we've actually got a plan, a dream and a vision to actually do things like that. Because we recognise that following God's dream should be number one in our life. I mean, it's great that um, if we look in, uh, in Matthew, back in verse six, uh, chapter 6, verse 33, it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. But it also says, He will give you everything you need. So He's not unaware of our desires. He's not unaware of our needs and our wants. But He wants us to focus our minds and our hearts and our efforts specifically on the kingdom of God first. Sometimes I think we, we probably don't even have to pray about the things we need if we're focused on the kingdom of God. He says God knows our needs. If we pray first about that, I believe that God will bring things in our life without much effort on our part at all if we're focused on his dreams and visions. So before we start dreaming about what we can achieve as individuals in 2019, before we put our plans before God, how about we put his plans in front of us and ask him to bless our commitment to them? As a church, we're doing some things in 2019 that we did in 2018. We're continuing with our weekly men's prayer meetings. We're continuing... Let me get another drink. I'm just hoping that my voice reboots in 2019 <laughs> so that I, I don't stumble over my words. Um, what was I? Yeah, monthly all in prayer here. We're going to continue doing that. And the reason we do that is because prayer is the engine room that drives the church. I mean, if, you, if you're here today and you're thinking, well, I've, I've never been to a, prince, uh, a men's prayer meeting, uh, and you're a man. Uh, <laughs> Perhaps you should go. I'll let you into a secret. Men's prayer meetings aren't always interesting. I mean, you've got a group of men at 6.30 in the morning who are barely awake. I mean, some of the times I think we're praying in tongues and it's not. It's actually English, but nobody's actually making any sense. We're all just, we're all just mumbling. Sometimes we have a theme and sort of you can't think beyond coffee... It's a good theme. We have, co well, by the way, we do have coffee afterwards. Uh, free coffee, I might add. But it's, it's one of those things that, you know, prayer is often a, a bolt-on. It's an addition. It's, it's a, uh, what do they call it with computer games? You have a, a DLC. Uh, what, what's that stand for? Downloadable content. So you add things on to the, the main game. And so often people think, you know, the Sunday service is the main church, but prayer is, for, prayer is for the holy people. Prayer is for the people who can actually drag themselves out of bed at six o'clock in the morning. Prayer is for the people who have a spare hour or two on Wednesday nights once a month. But it's not. Prayer is actually for everybody to get involved in. This is something, you know, I, you know seek first the kingdom of God. Prayer is one of the first things we go to when we're seeking the kingdom. I encourage you, if, you have, if you're not sure what to set a goal for or have a dream for in 2019, start coming to prayer. It's not entertainment for the masses. It's actually involvement for the body of Christ. It doesn't have to be sexy. 
doesn't have to be lights and, and, and bright and loud music. It's actually about getting connection with God. It's actually about throwing off the shackles of the world. It's actually about moving forward, building God's kingdom. So we, we, we're going to continue to do that. And I, and I reckon that's a good goal, a good dream, a good vision to be part of that. Yeah, as part of that, you should be doing it yourself as well on a daily basis. Just thought I'd add that in. There are some things we're doing in 2019 that we're doing differently. Some of you may know, but in 2019, we're changing the format of all our Connect groups to dinner parties. You might think, I like things the way they were. My answer to you is tough. <laughs> because things change. Things change. We're also starting a second service in 2019. Now, I won't go into details here. We'll announce this as part of our, our breakfast series. But we're going to have a chapel service earlier in the morning, which has a different format, a different feel to this service. And we, we did a survey about this late this year, so earlier this year. Um, so this isn't a surprise to everybody here. But often the question is, why are you doing that? Why, why are you changing things? Why are you upsetting the apple cart, changing the status quo? Is it just because you're bored? No. I've got enough on my plate without doing things just, just to change, because you know, it's, it's good to change things once in a while because they get boring. Our focus, our vision, our dream, our goal as a church is to actually bring people into the kingdom of God. We are searching for ways to improve what we do, to actually reach out to people. The dinner party idea has actually taken off in our, our young adults so well that there, there are people in our church who have never been to a Sunday service who are regular uh, attenders at a dinner party. And so it's spoken to us about the effectiveness, if we can change uh, our attitude about what, what was and embrace what is coming, then we can actually have a greater impact on our friends and our family and our work colleagues to actually bring them into the presence of God in a, in a format and, and a, an atmosphere which is going to bring them into the knowledge, at least, of Jesus Christ and the presence of Jesus Christ without them feeling threatened, chained, sort of any of those things. And so it's an opportunity. It's not just for us. It's for people who haven't experienced God. The same with the second service. We're not doing it because we'd like to stretch our volunteer base and see what they're made of. <laughs> this will happen. But it's not the purpose. The purpose is for us to be able to provide an alternative to what we do now in the hope that we can actually attract uh, some more people. People who see Jesus differently. People who might need something else that actually works in their minds and their spirits and their hearts to form a connection with God. Do we know whether it'll work or not? No. But we are prepared to step out in faith to build God's kingdom because we believe that's the dream he has for us as a church for yous <laughs> it's not just about yous it's for, for theirs thems <laughs> thems outside thems who have never known Jesus thems that we haven't spoken to yet and it's up to yous to speak to thems <laughs> I'm glad I didn't invite my father this morning <laughs> he was an English teacher if you didn't know um 
If you want to have dreams for 2019 that are God-filled, then pour your heart and soul into the dreams of your church. Church should not be a bolt-on addition, a DLC to your life that gets what's left over at the end of the week. Church should be the engine room that fires you up to start the week and the rest of your week should be the result of the overflow of your relationship with God and with God's people. I was at a funeral on Thursday and the person that we were farewelling was somebody whose service to her community was truly outstanding. Uh, they'd been ordered, uh, awarded the uh, Honor of Austra- Order of Australia for their services and the priest officiating at the funeral service summed up her attitude to life with this quote, which I think he attributed to Mahatma Gandhi. He said, there is no better way to find yourself than to lose yourself in service to others. And I think that is a great dream for us to have in 2019. Because when God speaks, he speaks to his church. We might be individuals in his church, but he puts his church before individuals. There is no better way to find yourself than to lose yourself in service to others. Perhaps that should be our dream in 2019. Can I ask you to stand with me? I don't want to make it all all spiritual. The breakfast services will actually have a lot of practical stuff for us to do as individuals as well as thinking about what we can do for our church. And when I talk about the dreams of the church, I'm not. This isn't. This isn't a volunteer drive. I'm not talking about becoming a volunteer if you're not, or changing your role, volunteering role, or becoming more involved as a volunteer. that is, of course, really great if you want to do that and there are volunteer forms up the back if you want to fill one in after the service. Um, but I'm actually talking about heart involvement. You know, the New Testament talks a lot about the fact that the power of people is in unity of thought, mind and deed. And that the power of the church that follows Jesus Christ is actually the power of people speaking with one voice about one person, the person of Jesus, and moving in the same direction. And so it's not about doing a task. It's actually about your heart attitude towards your church community and to to God. So I just want to pray before we finish our service for all of you for this next coming year so if you'd like to just close your eyes bow your heads and Lord I pray this prayer for everybody here under the sound of my voice I thank you that as they step out in faith in this new year this year of 2019 that they step out with the knowledge that you step out beside them that whether they can feel your influence, see your influence, know your influence, that you are there anyway, that you do have 
every single one of us on your heart that there are none forgotten whether they call you Lord or not and I just thank you that as we knit together as your church as we step as an army of God into this new year that we know that your blessings your plans and your purpose go with us as our faith moves before us to embrace what you have for us the good, the bad, the indifferent the difficult, the easy whatever it is that we face we know that we face it with you and we know that we have been created as more than overcomers so that we will overcome in Jesus name Amen. Just while I've got you here with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, if you're here this morning, you don't consider yourself a Christian. You've never accepted Jesus into your life. You've never accepted him as your Lord. You've never considered him as your saviour, as the number one person in your life. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to actually take a step to a relationship with Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. This is a journey that every Christian embarks on. And to start that journey, we actually have to take a step of inviting Jesus to be part of our life, to actually be number one in our life. And on Sunday mornings in this church, we do that by offering up a small prayer to God to let him know that we want to actually take him on board in our lives. And so what I want to do, I want to, in a moment I'm going to ask you if that's you, or you may, may be a Christian, but you know that you're far from God at the moment. You want to renew that relationship. Because this applies to you as well. In a moment I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if that applies to you. Nobody else is going to see it. Nobody's looking around. But I'll know who we're praying for. And then we're going to pray as a church that prayer. And if you're here and you're praying that for the first time or you're praying it to come back to a relationship with Jesus, when the service is finished, I want to invite you to come forward to the front. There's going to be a couple of people here who, who are praying for any prayer needs of the church. But I want, to, I want you to let them know that you have prayed that prayer and you want to know what the next steps to following Jesus are. And they will help you and guide you in that. So while all eyes are closed, nobody's looking around, if that is you this morning, either you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to do that this morning, or you want to come back to a relationship with him, can I ask you right now just to raise your hand and I'll acknowledge it, you can pop it down and we can pray that prayer to invite Jesus into your life.